0: tomorrow's monday right everybody's excited about monday right all right excited about school excited about work some people say the saddest time you know what's sadder than or more sad than uh monday morning sunday night thinking that monday morning's coming i guess with that so that's why we're here we sing we get together we sing songs we do these things and I always think about it, and you know it's the old preacher joke that when you sing when the roll's called up yonder, you know and there's a preacher that really got into it one time, you know he's kind of this camp meeting style he gets excited and he sucks a lot of wind and, uh, and does all that stuff and he said, "And when the roll's called up yonder, I'll be there now that's not exactly what you're looking for, okay all right but that part of it, they get into it but all right, Genesis chapter 18 tonight, Genesis chapter 18, and uh, we're going to continue our series on uh, we've been doing on Sunday nights with The idea about the life of Abraham, and uh, I appreciate uh, getting to rotate with, with Micah and Will and doing these. I've been really, I'll be honest with you, and I'm not just saying this, I've really enjoyed getting to listen to those guys preach and teach and not just giving them experience. I thank God for experiences that were given to me, opportunities that were given to me to preach, and still opportunities that I get to preach, but I've learned a lot. I've enjoyed it and I found out something. I found out that sometimes, you know, people have different takes and, and things. You know, I think uh, there's one interpretation, but many applications a lot of times to Scripture, and I've really enjoyed uh, listening to them preach and looking forward as we continue uh, doing that, and honestly, I've enjoyed a little bit every now and then of a break on Sunday nights to get to sit here and get myself. and so that's always been good. I've enjoyed that, and, and speaking of Will, pray for him. I think he's uh, flying back from Philadelphia. If you haven't heard yet, he did get in. Over the weekend, he asked, she did say yes, and so we're happy, and if you're like my wife, we'll be happier after the I do's, as far as that part of it with him, and, uh, but anyhow, we're excited for them, uh, his uh, fiance now, her name's Sarah McMenamin. a lot of y'all might have met Sarah, uh, i I don't know why I did that, Sarah's not real tall, I know, sorry, Will, uh, for that, and Sarah, if you're listening, but anyhow, um, but it's good people, and I'm thankful for them. And to just pray for them, and you know, that long distance relationship is definitely something. But analogy it draws it a little bit closer. You know, they're not gonna be pen pals. They can FaceTime and do all that kind of stuff. And so anyways, where are we gone to in the world? But excited for them and also excited about the ministry Brother Justin talked about between he and and Brother Joel leading these things, this idea of uh I don't know if they said hands and feet ministry or hand and mouth ministry, as long as they don't say foot and mouth, you know, that like I said, and just the ministry of helping people in our community whether in our church or not whether it be doing building wheelchair ramps or helping people out i know there's a picture joel put up of the lady that we're going to go help in the back there uh the lady there and uh i forgot her name off the top of my head but anyhow if you go back there and look but anyway she's not a part of our church but uh she she lost her job last year and, and she lost her husband not long uh before that and just some ideas of being a help to her and i definitely think that's what we ought to do part of being the Hands and feet of Christ is to helping those that can't help themselves, and and if you sign up on the list, you may not be able to help out on this particular project, but just by signing up, it lets Joel and Justin know they can reach out to you uh, for that. Even if you sign them, say can't this time, you know, just uh, let them know, and, and and even some of the ladies, if you're interested in that too, if you if you can't help or don't want to help, say hey, maybe I'll do we had somebody today. Uh, say hey, I'll, I'll bring pizza for lunch for you that day, or do something like that. That would obviously be a big help, and like I said, just sharing Christ with people outside the walls of the church. And I think that's important. You say, well, Brother Phil, what if we help somebody and they're just taking advantage of us? Well, we're not doing it for praise anyways. Ultimately, we're doing it for Christ. We're not looking for attaboys. We're not looking for that. We just want to be a help, be a blessing, and let God take care of that. Let God take care of the increase. And like I said, if you can't get on this project, hopefully we'll do some more uh, later. But uh, Will preached last Sunday night, and he ended in chapter number 18. That's been part of the fun part of doing this. Is everybody kind of seeing how far we go in preaching like this? And poor Mike has to go after me now uh, because I think it was normally Will that went after or went before you, and so you could see how far Will would go. But tonight, I'll just let you know I'm not going to get into chapter 19. So anyhow, <laughs> that's letting you know. But with uh, but with uh, Will got up to preach, and he says because I swapped with him because he'd be gone this weekend. I said, Will, how far in 18 are you going to get? And he said, You'll see. And so I think he didn't really know. So in studying for this, he stopped in verse 15. But I like to read just verses 16 through 22 here of Genesis chapter number 18. Genesis 18. And going to read verses 16 through 22 just to remember as a little bit of background. Um, There is Abraham, Sarah. They're by the tent. Sarah's in the tent. And God, uh, what we call a theophany or Christophany, a theophany is an appearance of God. Uh, in, in, a, in a form of in a human form or in a form that it can be identified to be seen christophany is an appearance of christ before his birth like for instance Shadrach, meshach and Abednego. remember nebuchadnezzar in the form of the fourth man is like the son of god at christophany so we have that god's come god's visited with abraham and two angels so here's what happens okay it says in verse 16 of chapter 18 and the men rose up from thence or from with abraham and looked towards sodom And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Verse 19, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice or righteousness and judgment that the lord may bring upon abraham that which he has spoken of him and the lord said because the cry of sodom and gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grievous verse 21 i will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which is to come unto me and if not i will know and the men turned their faces from thence and went towards sodom but abraham stood yet before the lord Let's pray. Father, as we take your word for the next few moments. Lord, we ask for you might speak through your word. Lord, may the word of God speak. May it pour down on us. Lord, help us to, to see clearly. Lord, we sing sometimes. Let me see the world through the eyes of Christ. Lord, may we see your word and this account of Abraham. Lord, is see it through your eyes lord i pray you give us tonight what we need lord if there's some things in this passage that we may not be able to apply tonight maybe we put it in the bank lord of our hearts and minds to draw from later and lord we just thank you so much for the chance to get here tonight thank for those that were able to be here be with those that couldn't and lord i just pray that you would just help us as we study your word lord i pray you might just even take the veil away that we might be able to see christ And whatever it is in this passage that you have for us, bless us individually, bless us as a church, and we thank you for what you will do in Christ's name, amen. So the title is kind of very similar to what uh, Brother Micah prayed about earlier and talked about earlier, is the idea of Abraham and the friend of God. Now I know several um, years ago on Father's Day, I preached a message on Abraham, the friend of God, out of James 2, and I'm not re-preaching that message in case you happen to be here uh, for that, but I do want to give a few things about that. I can't preach that message because some of y'all in here take really good notes, you know, and so you keep up with everything really good. But the idea of this, and what we've seen, is that we've been following this journey of Abraham, and we saw from week one the call for Abraham from out of Ur. We've seen Abraham even when he went down to Egypt and he lied about Sarah being his wife for fear of his life. We've seen him with the covenant that God gave him, that hey, you're going to have a son, all the nation of the earth shall be blessed, your 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 uh, your descendants shall be like the sand of the sea, like the, uh, on the shore, and it's going to be like the stars in the sky, and we've seen that. And, and what we find Abraham doing now as we get up to here is Abraham doing whatever was necessary to obey God. I thought Brother Mike did an excellent job back in chapter 17, <laughs> kind of a tough passage, but did an excellent job talking about how he was willing to do whatever God wanted him to do in the idea of obeying God, even as we studied that about the whole idea of the new covenant and circumcision, those things that he gave. And when we see this passage here, there's titles that are given by God that are really, really important. And they're titles that, to be honest, you don't really seem shared a lot, especially ones that are very specific. David is known as the friend of God. I'm, excuse me, David is known as the man after God's own heart. But Abraham is called, uh, to our knowledge, three different times in scripture, he's called the friend of God. I love the song. It says, what a friend we have in jesus i know people that don't like that song say you know he's lord he's not our friend but i tell you to have the idea there is not to bring god down to human level but to say i have such a closeness of fellowship with god that even god looks at us and says hey that's my friend and that idea of the friend of god you see that by the way in isaiah 41 verse 8 over in second chronicles 20 verse number seven and then at the fam- more famous ones over in the New Testament, James chapter 2, verse 23, where it says, And it was an imputed or accounted to Abraham for righteous, and he was called the friend of God. By the way, if you like studying the book of James, I do. Uh, you see that in James 2. Actually, you go, I think it's a couple more chapters over. I think it's chapters 4. It talks about what? Not the friend of God, but the friend of the world. Love not the world, neither things of the world. Amen. Love the world. The love of the Father is not in him. And it goes on talking about those things. But it calls him the friend of God. Jesus says in John chapter 15, and uh, just to give you a verse there, John chapter 15, verse number 13 and 14, talking about being the friend of God, if you would. Jesus tells his disciples this in John 15, verses 13 and 14. He says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. He even goes on to say in verse 14, <clears throat> he says, You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So even Christ talks about, You want to be my friend, do what I command you to do. Now, this is not like the spoiled brat friend that you might have had growing up. Now, if you want to be my friend, you got to give me your lunch, you know. Or you gonna, that's not talking about that. We all probably had those kind of friends, and really they weren't friends. But Jesus said, If you really want to show your love, if you, you really want to be the friend of Christ, then obey my commandments have that closeness with me and then it says greater love hath no man than this than a man lay down his life for his friends and you know abraham can i just say wasn't god's friend just because god loved him okay he wasn't the friend of god just because god loved abraham because the bible says for god so loved the world but i believe he was the friend of god because there was a closeness between god and abraham a communication if you would between god and abraham and Abraham, certain characteristics of being this friend of god and you see some of them tonight that we see through here and when i think about that abraham and all of his highs and lows in fact if you remember not to spoil what's coming up remember abraham lying about sarah being his wife and all that well you think god still says you're my the friend of god he, he does it again <laughs> later he lies again with that but still comes back to god that closeness with god that he has but the idea of the friend of God, and, and I, I wrote this in my notes and just kind of thinking about it, if, if, I, if you had to look at my life closely, just what I did this week, if you had to look at my life closely, my individual relationship with God, would you look at my life and say, man, that guy right there is the friend of God. And you could hear every prayer that I prayed. You could hear how I prayed it. You could see my heart. You could see how I dealt with people. You could see that closeness that I wanted to have seeking after Christ I tell you I probably wouldn't want you to really do that but the idea of being the friend of God and, and by the way not and not just saying the, the closeness with God after a Sunday I tell you I really thought we had a great great service this morning I really think the Lord's been blessing us these last few Sunday mornings especially in other services with just kind of a sweetness of God's spirit and by the way may we never ever take that for granted that he's that he's in our midst and but not talking about just on Sundays, I'm not just talking about after you receive a blessing, but I'm talking about being the friend of God in the way that you communicate with God, that you fellowship with God, that you rest in God, I'm talking about it in that sense. Because you know, we throw the word friend around a whole lot. We throw it around a lot. A lot of times we say friend, and we really mean acquaintance. You know, we make, we throw it around really easily. It's kind of like, I'm on Facebook, and the other day I was doing something, I looked, and it talked about friends, and it was a very high number of Facebook friends. Some of these people, I'm like, I don't even really know if I know you, (laughs) you know. You know, I forgot what it was. I'm really probably ashamed to even tell you how many friends that I have on Facebook, you know, that I call it. Can I tell you something? They're really not my friends. You say, you're me. No, 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 no. You're not getting me. But we don't have that close commune together, that fellowship together. Hey, friends are honest with each other. They're open with each other. Sometimes even brutally honest with each other. And have that time they can pour their heart out together. There's a lot of people on my Facebook world and I'm not just going to pour my heart out. Sometimes I wish other people would figure that out on Facebook world not to pour their heart out. That's probably not the place to do it, to be honest with you. But the idea of, of friends and having that. But God doesn't throw that term friend around very much that part about where God calls friend you don't see it very much but there's something special there between God and Abraham that I believe is something that we can look at something that we can do and, and as I said you know and Will looked at it very great I liked how he did it last week looking in chapter 18 verses 1 through 15 about the idea as we mentioned earlier that God comes to visit and he even did kind of the title of when God comes to visit his people and he had the idea that God came to visit him and, and, and God came to visit him. And he had maybe he was an appearance of an angel or a human form or however you want to say it. But God came and he had the two angels with him. And it says that uh, he came to him. He went to visit him. And I think to myself this. Being the friend of God means that God visits with you and you visit with God. Now let me ask you this. Does God visit with you? I ain't talking about God showing up outside your house tonight in an angel form like that. But I'm not just talking about you feeling the presence of God in a church service Because I find this out a lot of times in my life. God can show up In spite of me not because of me I can in a service God can do something Because of what God is doing to someone else but not just because not because of me You know, sometimes I even pray that when I go to preach God use me in spite of me By that don't let me get in the way but the god visit but god went to abraham God went to him and and by the way, when he came to Abraham, Abraham was by his tent. He wasn't at, you know, synagogue that day. You know, he wasn't doing something great. He was by his tent. It said that Sarah was in the tent, which lets me know this, that it doesn't have to be a big day, all the pomp and circumstance that goes with it. It doesn't have to be that for God to visit with you, for the Spirit of God to be um, revitalized in your heart. It can be just an every, every day. It It'd be tomorrow morning, <laughs> Monday picking up this book on your own studying it praying and as god visits you right there wherever you're at whether you're in your car eating lunch and you're reading it in the morning in the evening whenever you have that time maybe going down the road uh listening to maybe uh music that's uplifting or a podcast of a some preaching or teaching whatever god can visit you there it doesn't have to be this if god only visits you so to speak right here when you're in this room let me just be honest with you god's probably not visiting you if the only time you feel like God is visiting you in this room, he's probably not visiting you. He's probably visiting in spite of. And the idea that we're here and, and we, we just catch on with that. But that God visit us. And you know what I mean? If you've experienced that where God's, the fellowship and the spirit is close. A- and just that sweetness, if you would, with that. And, and the other thing I noticed about this, when Abraham spotted him, and I'm not re-preaching Will's thing, but when he spotted him, he knew there's angels and we speak in the lord he knew and and that's why sometimes i know i'm mentioning this because i want us to understand that when we walk into this room when you when you open this book in your home is to have nothing between your soul and the savior is the idea of saying that when god shows up you can recognize him that when god does it you know i've not necessarily here but i remember sometimes we've had services and it may not been a service that people came and ran the aisle so to speak, or or there was great music or whatever, but you just sensed the presence of God and people walked out, and, and someone might say, man, that was a great service, I say, what are you talking about? I didn't notice anything different today. Well, sometimes because I think we don't even recognize him when he is walking about in our midst and, and when he's doing those things and when he's speaking and, and doing those things. But to get to our passage tonight and this idea of the friend of God, and I kind of have just a few points here with this, but the first thing I want us to see is the idea... Where it says in verse 19, God says, he's a friend of God. Why? For I know him. Now, it says here in verse 16 that they got up from eating. Remember, the whole thing. Is there anything too hard for God? And I'm not getting into that. He did all that. Hey, you're going to have a child, Sarah. You're going to have Abraham. You're going to have a son. All of that. Remember, you're going to have Isaac, which, by the way, Sarah laughed. Isaac actually means laughter. And, and so you're going to have a child. And, and it says they get up, and they're starting to head towards Sodom. And as they're going, and this shows the friendship of God. You see what God's saying here in verse seventeen. Should I hide this thing that I'm going to do? Should I should I hide this from Abraham? And, and you see this a little bit of God saying, "I should tell Abraham because we have a closeness. I should tell him what I'm about to do." And, and he said, "He see, he's going to become a great and mighty nation." And why is he the friend of God? Because what it says in verse 19, it says this. For I know him. Now, what does he know him? What, what is that? He knows him even greater in this part. Look at the next part of the verse. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment. And the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. You know what he says there of him? He says, I know Abraham i can share these things with abraham that's hard i mean just imagine what abraham's about to hear god say he's going to do but he says i know him and what does he know about him he says what that he will command his children in the ways of god know what that means he will instruct now we can talk about this to the guys for a while but i think we can also apply this to the ladies in this way we are given a special responsibility by god to instruct and raise children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, we have a great responsibility that's heavier than many of us ever ever really think. The idea of doing that, and it's we like the word command well, I will command it <laughs> Command there means the idea of instruct, and that's not just by word, it's by action. You know what we say sometimes? Do what I say, not as I do, <laughs> because it's easier sometimes with that. but he says, "I know Abraham that Abraham's going to instruct his children, he's going to command his children. He's going to lead his children in the ways of me. And I know he's going to do that. And I think to myself, does God know that about me? Does God know? Now, I know he's all-knowing. I get that. I, I get it. I'm not questioning the attributes of God. But when God looks at me in the relationship and closeness that I have with God, does God look at me and say, he's going to raise his children in a way that they'll follow me, not just by what he says on Sunday, but how he lives on Monday? It's... It, is he going to help them in that way is he not only going to do that but in the relationships that i have outside of of what we have right here when we meet each other out or or we're together and i'm around other people am i going to raise instruct and lead by example you know it's that idea too it's like and i have this and i've told you before in the office where i'm at where i study have it close where i can see it I don't put it behind me because behind me i never can see it kind of like these screens i have no idea what's going on you know y'all be playing pac-man for all i know what's going on behind me but There's a little thing up on the side that says the greatest sermons are lived, not preached. They're weightier. Now it doesn't mean you don't preach a sermon. It doesn't mean you don't use words. But man, actions speak a lot louder. And when God looks at you and you feel like, hey, I'm pretty good with God. Ask yourself, are you going to lead your home? Are you going to lead your family on your job and the different things that God has in those relations? Are you going to lead instruct in the ways of God? And there's something even deeper about this. And the, the weight of the responsibility is this. I don't know if you saw this tonight. It says in verse 94, I know him. That he will command his children and his household. Look at the next part. After him. That means he's going to lead in such a way when Abraham's dead and gone. They're going to keep going forward. And that's pretty heavy. To live your life in such a way. To your family, to those friends, to the believers around you that when you're gone it extends past death. we looked at it um, we're going through hebrews on wednesday nights as many of you know and i tell you one of the things about hebrews 11 that just grabs me there's wonderful people in there the hall of faith is what he says about abel and he being dead yet speaketh his obedience to god his sacrifice to god still speaks on for generations and generations and generations and generations and i wonder sometimes that when i go in the grave is my instruction my words are they just going to die or will the legacy of follow after christ live on because what it says here after him and look and they shall keep the way of the lord doesn't say they'll keep the way of abraham If I raise my children to be just like me, I have failed them. I don't think there's a parent in the room that would say they want their kids to be just like them. I hope my children's spirituality and closeness with God far transcends what I have. But that doesn't let me off the hook. That means I should keep pressing, I should keep leaning in, I should keep following Christ. And when they're at the point where they're not behind me, following me, and and they're on their own, that yes, they still are looking to Christ and go further in that. And the idea, he says, I know him and, and extends that part, you know, and, and even the question that, that we look at a lot of times in our ideas of instructing and, and trying to help and, and, and to be the right kind of example, I think sometimes we, we ha- and I know I shared a couple Wednesday nights ago, I think sometimes we ask the wrong question when it comes to things in our life. We ask the question of this, is it right or is it wrong? And I don't think that's the, r- that's the correct question. You come to things in life and say, well, I wonder if it's right, if this thing is right, or if this thing's wrong. And this thing's not necessarily wrong in itself, but it leads us to do something wrong. A good thing done at, a ro- at the wrong time is a wrong thing. That's just what it is. But it's not, is it right or is it wrong? But instead is this, will this stir my affections for Christ, or will this rob my affections for Christ? That's a lot better question. It's a lot harder to answer. It's not, as it right or is it wrong? But will it stir my heart for Christ or will it rob my heart for Christ? So we see uh, in this idea, how is he the friend of God? He says, for I know him. I know his heart. I know the direction he's heading. And I tell you, that's a very humbling idea that God knows the direction I'm heading tonight. Outside of his grace, outside of whatever, the, ro- the road that I am on with that. But secondly, I see this in this passage. And I wanted to really focus on this tonight is this idea of being the friend of God is the idea of number two or secondly, the other point is this, is the privilege of intercession. When you're the friend of God, you have the privilege of intercession. Um, And I want us to look at something here Um, as we kind of go through there a little bit and and, and you get past verse 19 and verse 20, he just kind of tells him. I mean, think about this. God says, okay, I know him. I know he's going to instruct his kids. When Abraham's gone, they're going to follow after me. In verse 20, he says this Abraham, my friend, the people in the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is so great. That's why I've come. And I'm come down here because this sin is very grievous to me, he says. And I've come to see what it is now. And look at verse number 22. And the men or the angels with him turned their from thence and went towards Sodom. But this is huge. I have this underlined in my Bible. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. So you got you got God and God there in a kind of a theophany, if you would, or christophany there, and you have the angels there. And it says we're here basically to see Sodom. If it's what we believe it is, we're going to destroy it, and we're going to destroy the people of it and you see the angels turn and start to go that way but you see abraham do something here you see him do something that to me that only a friend of god could do he said he stood yet before the lord he stood in that place of intercession for those people abraham could have stayed in his lane all right god yeah they're pretty bad hope they get it right and went back to his tent and been fine but abraham said god i have a closeness with you i want to talk to you about this and you see that intercession and when it kind of begins this last part of of genesis 18 if you would and what this of i guess this time of intercession if you would this privilege of intercession is that we see where abraham literally intercedes for sodom and gomorrah he literally tries to intercede for sodom and gomorrah and the whole picture here of sodom and gomorrah is just basically rampant evil in these cities (coughs) excuse me and the judgment of god is coming upon them and we see it so strong but abraham sees that and he knows that god's right and he knows that god's just and he knows that god's holy and we see that god says hey i'm gonna go there and we see how abraham stands and he even knows god's just because if you look in verse 25 what does he say to god here he says that it be far from thee after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked and that the righteous should be as the wicked that be far from thee and look at this part verse the end of verse 25 shall not the judge of all the earth do right now when you read that he ain't talking to sarah he's talking to the creator well man abraham's arrogant abraham's questioning god no abraham had such a closeness with god That he is actually interceding, intercessory prayer, if you would, for the people of Sodom. By the way, I kind of think here, I can't bank this, but I'm pretty sure. And we'll see it next week or or in the weeks to come. Who's in Sodom? A lot by now. In Genesis chapter 13, verse 12, it says, remember the issue with the animals and everything? Abraham even in, in showing grace to Lot, that you know he, he tells lot you pick i'm thinking if i'm abraham <laughs> i pick you take what's left man he said no you pick because i don't want there to be strife and he says and, and lot pitched his tent genesis thirteen twelve, towards sodom and as we'll see soon not tonight when the angels get to the gate of sodom guess who's sitting there guess who's the greeter lot that's why you go back in the new testament and lot who what vexed his righteous soul and when you see that and by the way the, the person that sits at the gate is the representative is the ambassador is the face of that it's kind of like you know walmart used to have those greeters sweet little old people You gotta love them i mean you're mad because what you got broke you got to get in the return line for decades, you know, to return stuff. And then there's always that sweet little old lady or sweet little old man. How you doing today? You know, they're smiling at you, and you're just like, okay. You're the face of Walmart. I know behind you it is evil, but I know right here you're kind. But you notice they don't get the, the grumpiest, crustiest person and put them to greet people at Walmart. Why? Because some people wouldn't make it through the door. lot here is, this is the image that people are saying of who we are. How fascinating is that? And I believe Abraham had an invested interest. I, I can't say that he knew, but regardless if he knew or not, he knew there was people that lived there. And that if God poured out his wrath, if God poured out his judgment, then guess what, a lot of people were going to perish, not just physically, but spiritually. They would not see one death, but a second death. And w- we see him here, and that's why he says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? He says, Knowing that God is just, but shall, shall the righteous perish with that? And, and here's what he's trying to do. He's trying to stand in the gap for Sodom he's trying to stand in the gap for that and you kind of see and we'll go through here in verse number 23 remember verse 22 it ends with abraham stood before the lord the angels and them start walking that way and abraham's like okay god before you go i know what you're about to do and he says this verse 23 and abraham what drew near he didn't holler from across the field he drew near that's kind of huge and it's his own message in itself and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Proof of uh, there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? And then he goes on as we talked about in verse 23. And we skip down to verse, uh, excuse me, verse 25 and skip down to verse 26. And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sake. Wow. I mean, you talk about praying and getting answers. I mean, that would be really neat to have that kind of relationship. Pray, answer, great. Abraham could have easily said, I went above and beyond. Here, ma'am, I, pray, I asked God, 50 people in these cities. We don't know how many people were there. It's a city, okay? So there's probably more than 50. He has a good idea probably by now that Lot's there in his family. So 50. Maybe lots some people. No, like lots done the opposite. That's later on. Do not sweep them away if there's 50. And God says, sure, for 50. Abraham could turn and I went in the tent, called it a day, I did my job. But he goes on in verse number 27. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Verse 28. Preventure there shall lack five of the 50 righteous without destroy all the city for the lack of five he said if i find there 40 and five i will not destroy it verse 29 and he spake unto him yet again and said prayer venture there shall be 40 found there and he said i will not do it for forty's sake and he said unto him oh let not the lord be angry you almost get angry just reading it like this don't you and i will speak Perventure, there shall be 30 be found there and he said i will not do it if i find 30 there so abraham says okay god thank you you've answered my prayer i think abraham knew there ain't 50 people there righteous. now what about 45 you spirit i know they deserve the wrath i know you're just by the way just a side note God's never claimed to be fair. God is just. People say God is not fair. Fair is human opinion. It's a social opinion and expectation. Someone said one time, they said, fair is where you get a ribbon for a pig. Okay? And it smells. But God is just and God is holy. Can I be honest with you? We're kind of studying a little bit in Revelation in Sunday school. We don't want God to be fair to us. I don't want God to be fair to me. I wouldn't be here tonight. I would be lost in my sins, spending eternity in hell. I don't want God's fairness. Abraham's saying here, God, I don't want the fairness that should come to Sodom and Gomorrah. What about 45? God said, okay. And then verse 45 next verse was say god what about 40 okay abraham basically in a sense for you 40 and then i like how he says now god i am nothing now please don't get angry with me what if we can just find 30 just 30 please don't get angry i am nothing but dust and ashes he knows who he is as part of the friendship with god and being the friend of god is knowing who you are in the relationship by the way i says okay for 30 then look down at verse 31 and he said behold now i have taken upon me to speak unto the lord perventure there shall be 20 found there and he said i will not destroy it for 20 sake verse 32 and he said oh let not the lord be angry and i will speak yet this once perventure 10 shall be found there and he said i will not destroy it for 10 sake and the lord went his way as soon as he had left or stop communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. Okay, God, I know you said thirty. But God, I want to intercede on behalf of these people that deserve what you're what you are about to pour out on them. What about twenty? Twenty righteous people. Are you gonna kill all of them? Is that okay? And then I like how by the way, you ever have somebody ask you over and over and over. To me, it's kind of like this is the equivalent to the little kid that goes, mom, 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 mom. And you're like, what? (laughs) You know, it's kind of like they need you to, to respond to them like that. But I don't see any anger in the Lord here. I don't see God going, fine, kid, fine. He's the friend of God. Now, some people like to joke and say that when he finally got to 10, that's why you got verse 33. God said, okay, Abraham, I'm gone now, man. I'm going. I I, I don't necessarily think that. But I won't destroy a city for the sake of 10 righteous people if I can find 10 righteous people that love me and hate evil. If I can just find 10 in a city. And when I read that, it says, and then as soon as that, god left communing with abraham and when i talk about this whole idea of interceding this is what genesis 18 is a powerful picture of the privilege it is of intercession how god calls us to what stand still before him and plead on behalf of someone who's in need to pray on behalf of someone who's facing judgment or maybe things to come in their life to intercede for them to pray that God will have mercy on them. And by the way, you see that all through Scripture too, how people intercede, judgment or something should come, consequences should come, and how people intercede, and they pray, and God works, and it changes the actions of God. If you really want to see a lot of intercessory prayer, you ought to read about the children of Israel with Moses after the Red Sea. There are times that God literally, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, Moses, stand aside, stand aside. I'm going to wipe all these people out. I'll create a people for you to lead, and you can take them into the promised land. And as much as they murmured against Moses, I'd be like, do it. Let's see this, you know. But how many times do you read about Moses saying, God, you promised these people, these messed up, broken people. You made the promise to them. And Moses intercedes with God not in an arrogant way because moses had such a closeness to god i love how in scripture it says god buried moses don't read that about anybody else in scripture by the way that in his death even you read that and and just this whole idea of of this closeness that they have and 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 on behalf of someone else and 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 just for us to realize and i want to encourage you tonight even in my own life to realize and maybe look in a fresh fresh perspective The privilege that we have to be pray in an intercessory way on behalf of other people. You know why intercessory prayer is very weak in our society? Because we want everybody to pray for us. Our life is consumed with our prayer requests, our situations, our influences. If we took your prayer life this week and all the minutes that it came up with, this is totally a different side note, but it's worth saying. How much of it was just glory to God? Okay, take that away. How much of it was your personal wants, your personal needs, how you're affected? Take that away. Now, how much is left for how much you pray for other people that don't affect you at all? How big, how many minutes? Hours. Definitely kind of freaking out a little bit there when we say hours of our prayer life did we intercede for someone else that's in need. And by the way, people that are hurting people that are struggling people that maybe have no hope in a situation but why not for people that if they don't turn they're under the judgment of god you're like wait a minute they're not under god's judgment they seem to be doing great right now they seem to be thriving and i seem to be suffering well if i brought you up here and i took a water balloon and held it over your head would i tell you that you are you're under a water balloon you're under the chance of really getting wet unless you move and the thing is the people that we know that are far away from god in their life if we don't on if they don't move if god doesn't do a work in their life and god can do that work through intercessory us praying and begging god and pleading god for them for them they're under the judgment of god they're prospering only for a little while what does the Bible say? The grass withereth and the flower fadeth? It's a season. If they don't change, it's going to come. I tell you, that's part of this whole thing with Revelation I keep reading about. The judgment of God. And that inspires me. That convicts me to go tell people about what's coming. Not to stay on the end and say the end is near. But to say there's a God that makes it where you don't, it don't have to be your end it doesn't have to be your story and and just that idea of just understanding that and the idea of like i said standing in the gap and and for god to show mercy think think about the last time you prayed for god to show mercy for someone else that wasn't that wasn't you that didn't touch you for that coworker, for that neighbor for that person man just to intercede I, i tell you a lot of times when people go through things especially in deaths I always pray this, God, please don't let this, don't let this tragedy in their life make them draw away from you. May it draw them closer to you. May it, may, it, may it not be something that becomes something between them and God. May it be something that draws them closer together. And the idea of praying and, and, and saying, God, show mercy. And, and even some people, I know if you're like me, the idea of this, I know people that I'm praying and I'm intercessing, God, please show your mercy to them. Please save them. Help them to believe that you are a God that loves them and they don't have to die and go to hell. Man, that's the intercessory prayer. I mean, Abraham, I don't think sitting here on the side is thinking, what about 50? Okay, what about 40? I think he is just, he's in. I think there's an idea of pleading. The word in the scripture, it says, beseeching means to beg. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God. He's saying, I beg you. I beg you and that idea of pleading there and, and just the idea of of standing in the gap for that and i'd like to, to close with a portion of scripture in ezekiel and I, I think we'll throw it up here on the screen for you i know you weren't thinking i was going to run to ezekiel to close tonight but anyhow but the idea for god to show mercy and for god to do something And the idea that God can answer prayer and it can change actually the actions of God. Look what it says in Ezekiel chapter 22. I'm going to read verses 26 through 31. Okay, remember Ezekiel, an Old Testament prophet. He's talking about his people, God's people. How they've turned from him. Ezekiel um, 22 verse 26, it says, Her priests have violated my law. And have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. And have hid their eyes from my Sabbath. And I am profane among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey. To shed blood and to destroy souls. And to get dishonest gain. Verse 28. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar. Seeing vanity and divining lies unto them. Saying thus saith the Lord God when the lord has not spoken verse 29 the lord the people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy yea they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully so this definitely do judgment right look at verse 30 and i sought for a man among them or a person that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap look at those words before me just like back in verse 22 stood before the lord before me for the land for the people that i shouldn't destroy it look what happens in this situation he says but i found none and because the effect of no one standing in the gap no one taking the privilege of intercessory prayer look what happens in verse 31 therefore it means because of this i have poured out my indignation upon them i have consumed them with the fire of my wrath their own way have i recompensed upon their heads say the oh lord why is intercessory prayer more than just a privilege the effects if no one does it god says i was ready to stop they deserve it listed everything they deserved and i sought that means sought means god said i looked for i searched out just somebody to what stand before me, like he says back in the passage, that Abraham stood before the Lord and pleaded. He said, I didn't find anybody. And because of that, I poured it out. I poured it out. And, and I tell you, our prayers can affect the action of God. Your prayers can affect the action of God. And, and you know, I don't understand the mystery of how necessarily that works, but I know God's complete and I know God's sovereign over all things. But I also know that God just doesn't doesn't just ordain the ends, He also ordains the means to the ends. And and, and the thing about this, He ordains our prayers to be the means by which these ends are accomplished and, and let's just take full advantage of it in our lives and this privilege and the idea of standing in the gap for somebody. And I end with this thought. You are here it's Sunday night, I get it. Monday's coming. I wonder I'm Wonderful reminder there. Has God brought anybody to your mind and heart even while we're talking tonight? You know why he's bringing that name? I'm seeking for someone to stand in the gap for them. Because if they get what they deserve, they get my wrath. He's an all-loving God. I'm not trying to paint God. You know me well enough. If you've heard me many times, you've heard me talk about the grace and the love of God that's extended. And by the way, this is the grace of God. It wasn't the grace of God saying, I'm looking for somebody. He would have just went ahead and destroyed them. It was God's grace to say to Abraham, I'm going to tell you what I'm about to do. He didn't have to do that. That's still God's grace. Even in God's wrath, you see God's grace. And this maybe tonight, just for a few moments as we close in prayer. Man, what a privilege it is to intercede. I thank God for everyone that's ever interceded for me. You say, Phil, you got saved today, you You're a preacher now. That means you've just been like a choir boy all your life. Nope. If you knew me the way I know me. If I knew you the way you know you. I think we've got a lot to ask God to help. There's people around us that we love. That we can hope all day long we'll be in heaven one day. But what about we pray and beg? God, show mercy. Give, Don't give us what we deserve give us your grace and maybe tonight just for a moment well let's do this let's just spire heads and close our eyes if you don't mind for a moment and i know it's a little different but just take a couple moments there maybe and god's brought somebody to your mind somebody to your heart that you know if they continue the path they're continuing maybe they're not saved th- th- that means right now they're under the judgment of god it may not be poured out but they're under it If they are saved and they're going away from God. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Maybe ask God to draw them back in a soft way if he can. But ask God for his mercy and grace. Don't ask him for his fairness. But who could we stand in the gap for tonight? Maybe there's many people.